This is the Business Storytelling Show, a top global marketing podcast listened to in more than 100 countries, live streamed on social media, and broadcast on DBTV. Christoph Trapp chats with industry leaders to help your company tell better business stories. Here's today's episode. Hey, 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 business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Uh, Christoph Trapp here, episode 650 on tap for today. We want to talk about Discord. What is it? Why should you use it? Why should you not use it? How to think about it? Of course, there's always another network to think about. This one I heard about way back when, and I could have sworn that I actually checked it out, tried it out, and didn't really like it. It was too, I don't know, MS Dossy, maybe? Maybe I'm making that up. We will ask today's guest, Tyler Stamball. I ran across him uh, when he uh, he was mentioned in Mark Schaefer's uh, newsletter. Mark, of course, has been on the show a couple of times, I believe, uh, talking about his books. And he mentioned Tyler um, looked into Discord when Mark was threatened or so- something something like that. And apparently this brand, I, I guess, had abandoned their Discord channel. What's the Discord channel? I have no idea. That's what Tyler is going to talk about, how to use it, how to evaluate it, and then, of course, how not to abandon it if you're going to do it. Um, so, Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And Tyler is with uh, Magnetic.xyz. Um, so that's obviously down there in the, the lower third scrolling along if you're watching on video. Now, kind of give us a high-level overview. Discord, what is it? Who is using it? Um, is it MS Dossy or is that just my recollection from you? Yeah, I mean, it's its default is dark mode, so you could get an MS DOS vibe to it. But um, to simplify it in the most high level sense, it's basically a Slack. It's it operates in much the same way a Slack does, where you have different channels. Um, but it was it primarily came up as a platform where uh, gamers that played games and streamers uh, were able to house their communities. And then as the crypto boom happened in 2020, 2021, it started getting co-opted by crypto firms. And then brands seeing all the activity and the excitement that was happening in these channels started to co-opt it and start experimenting with it. So if you think about the layout of a Slack with all the different channels and different topics that you can limit and everything like that, Discord is very similar in that sense. Well, what's interesting about that actually is I I use Slack with like a lot of different companies, right? I mean, I use it in my day job. But I'm also in like the the MyCon channel, right? The Marketing AI Institute and others, uh, Content Marketing Institute, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess I am kind of using something very similar, right? I'm in their channel already. So, but who, uh, like what kind of companies are using Discord and how do they uh, interact with um, their customers? Yeah, so I would say actually the the use of Discords by companies really didn't become prominent until about 2020, 2021. And there is, there's definitely a link that I saw to the NFT space. Um, so what we were seeing was a lot of these Web3 people that were doing these NFT projects, like that community uh, that united all of those people that had bought into the different pictures and everything, uh, they were sitting on Discord. And then as some brands jumped in, like you saw Nike do some NFTs, you saw um, a couple other companies. I, I know I looked at like 1-800-Flowers, which... Uh, I was looking at it, I was like, they created a Discord. So they they were starting to co-opt that culture and try to attract in that audience to expand um, their users. Um, and that's where I started to see brands using Discord and they were using a lot of the same nomenclature and words that people were using. 
um, to try to co-opt that kind of community vibe that was happening throughout that entire time period. It's just very interesting. I mean, there's so many different networks brands have to think about, and it is just one other channel that you have to be in. But yeah. um, I think the comment Mark made is when he was threatened, the, mm -hmm. you know, they, the, the brand had abandoned the channel. Yeah. So kind of talk about how do you manage it? I mean, is it just like any other network, right? Like as long as you have somebody who is in charge of it, it's going to work. And the second they quit or get laid off or got another job, things are done. Yeah, so moderation is a big part of it for sure. Um, every Discord server that I've ever been in has either been hosted by someone that moderates it or they get to such scale that they actually hire. And, and these are roles that are out there, actual community managers. And a big remit of their job is to sit in these discords and to understand what's going on, understand what people are talking about, bring those topics to the forefront. And moderation is part of that equation. The brand in particular, because I went and checked it out after Mark told the story, um, he, he even tried to reach out to those moderators on Discord. He tried reaching out to other people within the organization. It was just very clear, though, that kind of the in, the inmates had uh, were running the asylum at that point, and it had devolved into kind of a trollish space where people were just there. They certainly created a community, but it was more a community of pirates than it was of uh, advocates for that particular brand. So um, that is one of the risks. It's not one of these things like an Instagram page that you can kind of set it and forget it. And if you walk away for a while, you can always come back. Um, it's kind of a leaving, living, breathing organism where people are interacting almost 24 hours a day. A community of pirates. Um, <laughs> interesting. But so, you know, as I'm listening to this, and even as I was reading Mark's story, it's kind of like, so you can build a, disc, a community on Discord. You can build a community in a Slack channel. Mm -hmm. You can build a community in a Facebook group. You can build a community in a LinkedIn group. I, don't, I haven't seen any that's actually been active recently. You can build a community on your own site, right? Like you can build some membership or whatever, like forum, for right. lack of a better term. How do brands decide where to go and why should Discord ever make it to the top of the list? And, and, and you know, how, how do you even think about that? Yeah, so prior to founding Magnetic, um, I was doing some projects with different uh, companies, social impact organizations that were looking to actually create this kind of um, community model. And there was one in particular where we were noticing that a lot of people were using Discord. That was kind of the thing in 2021, 2022. Um, and we went to them and we brought a bunch of different options. And eventually they just landed on Slack because they said, you know what? The core members that we're reaching out to, they're already familiar with Slack. They know how it works. It's a place that's an easy extension. But I think like Mark talks about in some of his um, recent trends that he's unlocked, uh, taking a look at Gen Z, like people that are in their 20s and below, um, there's an astounding number of them. I think he said it was something like 40 pushing 50% of people in that generation have some sort of a Discord handle and presence there. So I think the answer to that question is really understand who your audience is and what technology they're comfortable and then be able to bring that to them. It depends on, yeah, it just does depend on who you're trying to reach out. It's always interesting to me, you know, when people talk about, well, this generation is there, so you have to be there. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, I mean, you don't, you don't know enough about me. You know what mm. I mean? Like if I'm selling to boomers because whatever I'm selling they're the ones who are buying it. I, I don't really care about Gen Alpha, right? right? The right. second, right? I mean, maybe at some point. So it's always interesting to think about that on where are people, what are they trying to do? 
Um, but give me a definition. So if I'm as I'm listening to you talk about yeah. community, online communities, and I'm thinking about some of these Facebook groups I'm in, and I'm like, I'm not sure any of these are communities. I mean, some of them are super annoying. People ask stuff they should have Googled before they, or it's been right. answered a hundred times. Um, I think some of the Slack channels I'm in, I would say they're close to community. Like yep. people, you know, and you, yep. even like the one-on-one happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what's the definition in your opinion of an online community? Yeah. I, th- I think you bring up a great point. And I've, I've joined a bunch of marketing communities, um, including Mark's, which is Rise. Um, and a lot of them you go in and they're like, here's my backlinks to my website for SEO. Like, um, it's, it's more transactional in nature than it is about connection and relationship building. And for me, the definition of a community, um, even, even an online community, is that all the members are there to both give and receive value. In fact, giving should be the first thing that you're doing when you join a community and then the collective all receives as part of that, um, as part of that. So if you, if you get yourself into one of those Facebook groups or Slack communities or something like that, or that they call themselves communities, and you're just seeing a lot of transactional stuff happening, um, you know, that's really on the owners of that community to facilitate and manage that and make sure that it's known, like, these are the rules. These are what we do. This is what we don't do. If you're not here for that, then please leave. So for me, the definition of community is that um, people are getting value, giving value and receiving from it, and they're creating meaningful connections with the other people. Yeah. And sometimes that's hard to do when people say what other people might consider stupid things, mm. or they're just pushing their product or whatever. Yeah. Or like there's one thing I'm in and and like this one person posts every single day. And I'm sure some of it is good, but you know what? I see it every day. And this is not the moderator. This is just another person. Right. And like, I don't, I tune her out just because like, I don't need to see her every day, you know? So I think there's also kind of that uh, mix in there a little bit. So let's maybe talk about how do you start creating a community as a brand, especially like, do you have like a five-step process or whatever the number might be? No, I think this is a wonderful opportunity because <laughs> we're actually uh, releasing a white paper within the next week or two that we're that we're tidying up on this exact topic. It's actually a six-step process um, from our point of view. Um, <clears throat> so the first thing is you have to understand who your audience is. So similar to what we were talking about, like what platform do you use? But it has to be, and, and this is typical of any marketer or any CEO or any head of sales, you have to understand who your customer profile is. And who is that customer profile that is most drawn to your brand? Not really the tourists that come in and out, but the people that are sticky, um, that are advocates. And once you understand what that is, the next step, and this is the step that most people skip because they just hire a community manager and they're like, make a community for me, is you really have to put together a strategy, right? And that strategy has to be, um, what do I want to get out of this? What type of value do I want people that come in to get out of it? Is it to learn from one another because they're like-minded people? Is it for me to help educate them on our product and get feedback from them and create a feedback loop in a place where they feel like they can make a difference? Um, Is it a place where I want to make it an elevated thing for my super fans, right? Where they can create a deeper connection with me and that's what the community is surrounded by. Um, Third step is then understanding all of those requirements. What are the things that I'm going to need to successfully achieve those goals, right? What are the features? And that's where you get into kind of, do I use Discord? Do I use Slack? We throw our hat in the ring as magnetic as well. Um, And so you have to try to understand um, and do selection based off that so you can optimize for it. And then it's what I call 
it's not a lead magnet. It's, it's almost like a community lead magnet where it's like, what am I going to put out to someone to attract the right persona into this community? Um, putting those out there, fostering a core group of people to begin with to start to launch that community. And then you start to engage with them in line with your strategy for why you brought them there. And the final step, which is the sixth step, is to continually monitor and check on it because a community, just like the markets, just like business, it's ever evolving. And your customer base is going to have evolving needs based on what's going on. And if you don't adapt with that, with that community, um, they're going to just start dropping off and you'll and you'll lose the power and the value that you get out of it. Yeah, it's just so a few things that come to my mind is like attracting people. That's always an interesting thing. Mm -hmm. How do you get people in? So for example, right or wrong, it was my reaction when somebody mm -hmm. invited me. In fact, I think it was um, the uh, Marketing O'Clock podcast. They put something up and they said, come to the Discord channel. And I I finally messaged them and I said, I cannot find anything on your Discord channel. It looks horrible. Right. And that was just my opinion, right? My right. reaction right. So it was like, it didn't work. Like, And I'm not even that visual of a guy, quite frankly, but it just didn't work for me. Yeah. So like, how do you make sure you hit the look and the feel? And like when, because right, even a Slack channel, when you go in and like, I mean, judge, like two second judgment, right? Like if you see crap, like you're probably gone already. Right, right. Um, so what a lot of the best practices for these online communities is to create an actual onboarding flow where you're literally funneling someone in, you're giving them a welcome message, you're immediately presenting them with the rules. And then what, what, then what you absolutely have to do if you want to be successful is you want to start to give them a preview high level of the type of things that they can do and start to direct them towards it. If you went into this channel and, and then you saw like 50, 20 to 50 different channels on different topics, they're just not logically placed together. It's, it's kind of like being able to find your fit. You want when someone comes in, you've attracted them in a certain way using that magnet. And then you want to actually have that entire experience be smooth so what they believe they're getting into maps to reality. And that'll create a lot more stronger bonds and that'll get people to stick around longer to actually understand what the value is that they can bring and that they'll get from it. I also feel like it needs to be integrated into people's lives, right? Yeah. So for example, I'm in the Slack, all these Slack groups and I got them on my computer. So when I log in, that's literally what I do my first thing. And, and right. they're all B2B Slack groups, right? So I don't go in there to find out how to get a better seat on the airplane or whatever, something like that. Right. And so it works because like, it's my work day. I'm sitting right here. Hey, is there anything going on I should care about? You know, sometimes you go through um, those things, but let's talk about making sure the engagement is right. So when you yeah. said uh, the the welcome message, so I've gotten plenty of welcome messages and some I like and some I don't. And like uh, Marketing AI Institute, I think it's super quick. It's like, welcome, like make sure you introduce yourself. Here's like a template, yep. Yep. blah, blah, blah. That Like that's it, like super quick. And then you do that, right? You just, and then people interact with you right away. And then I've seen others, they're like a mile long. And I'm like, who has mm. time to read this? So what's like the anatomy to kind of get things started on the right foot and then make sure you keep staying engaged? Yeah, so it's 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 very similar to the way you think about how you're funneling your customer through in marketing as well. It's a similar concepts, just like you said, you don't wanna give people information overload. You wanna to get to the point and those types of engagements where you go and introduce yourself, the community is trained after it happens enough to go and engage because it's a reciprocal feeling because when they joined, someone engaged with them and they felt good. And so that's a really great practice that many communities that I've joined have done. 
Um, on top of that, um, you you do the introductions. And then I've been in communities, and this is where they're really on top of it, where someone literally directly messages me and says, hey, welcome. Like, thanks for introducing yourself. Here are some of the things that we have that a lot of people like to go to. So almost like a little bit of a guy that you can interact with right off the bat. And that's a real person. Um, so it's those types of things where you're helping people come in because you're right. It can be overwhelming when you first join. So you have to bring them in, help them get their feet wet. Um, some some places have um, welcome videos, right, to make it even more um, accommodating for when people come in, depending on the different medium that they like. Um, so you really have to think about it like you think about a customer journey. you got to think about a community member journey in, in very similar ways. It's once you start a community as a brand. So, I mean, not to keep picking on Mark's example, but let's yeah. say that yeah. example, right? Yeah. Do brands have a responsibilities for, you know, that there's no bullying, there's no sexual stuff or, I mean, who knows what else, what else, or, you know, whatever else people can do on there, but do they have a responsibility or is it like, oh no, I'm, it's like Facebook. People can say whatever they want. And, you know, there's a law that yeah. says they're not responsible. Right. So I think the important distinction here is um, from an engagement standpoint, I look at Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, those socials, they're what I call rented channels. Rented in the sense that you don't own the audience for yourself and the algorithm does control based on your actions, what part of your audience, even though you have followers and whatnot that you get. When you start to get into the realm of a Slack and a Discord, that's an owned channel. That's where you directly own the relationship. It's kind of like being on Amazon as a seller is you're renting space in a marketplace versus a Shopify store where you own the customer experience through and through, right? But with that comes trade-offs. So when you're on a rented platform like that, you can sit under the terms of service and you can point to different things and they offer moderation and they have policies. But when you get to a Discord or a Slack, now you own the customer, you'll have higher engagement or the community member, you'll have higher engagement, however, comma, uh, that type of uh, blanket covering um, is not going to be as easy to justify, right? And so in, to an extent, maybe legally you may not have some sort of implication and maybe I, I actually don't know the compliance behind that, but certainly reputationally as a brand, if something were to get out that happened within something that you owned, that is something that could be held against you. So the short answer would be, I, I think you, you should take it as a responsibility to make sure that type of stuff doesn't happen. Yeah, very interesting. Really quickly, I want to pause you and share this review Emmanuel Rose left. This is on Amazon, I believe, actually. Smart and professional. Christoph is a great host and asks interesting questions. His guests are top-notch and I enjoy his content. I really appreciate that. If you want to leave a review of the Business Storytelling Show, you can just Google for it. And uh, wherever you listen to the show, honestly, Apple, Amazon, um, wherever. It doesn't make any difference. Spotify, certainly appreciate everyone taking the time and tuning in and uh, taking the time to leave a review. Amazon, of course, as well. Um, so let's talk about really briefly, like, you know, when you have a B2B community, mm. um, how, what's the danger when you participate that your competitors may see what you're talking about? Like, where do you find that line? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I, I actually used to be in management consulting myself and I was working with a lot of large companies. And one of the things that I always thought about was we're thought leaders. We should be facilitating community with all of these different leaders from our ideal client base to just have these open conversations all the time. And it wasn't necessarily from the clients that was resistant. It was more 
from uh, management because they're just like, ooh, like we don't want to give away too much and all of that. But I think um, there is such a thing as being able to provide uh, value without going proprietary, right? So uh, if you use a bank, for example, which I was deep in for a while, a regulation comes out. Um, wouldn't it be great if you could go to a place where you have other people that are also affected by that regulation and talk about the different things without having to go deep into this is our portfolio structure and everything like that. Those kind of forms are super valuable, especially what I saw from a lot of my clients was, okay, how do I interpret this? Oh, I got to go hire somebody or I got to bring somebody in or I got to spend all this time. Um, but it's, it's a collective value, right? So you may not always be the one contributing but you will get value from being there. And then you will be compelled to contribute as well once you've gotten enough value. It's, it's kind of innate in us and humans. Um, and, there's, and there's a level there, right? Um, there are communities that exist right now for um, tech executives, right? Where they can come in and talk about the problems that they're seeing uniquely as a tech executive, um, where they can bounce that off with other people. So I think, I think there's definitely a line, but once you get people in a space where they're starting to see the type of value that's being shared, um, it just naturally goes to that level. Um, and, and a lot of that seeps away because you start looking at each other as humans, not really competitors. You know, and the other thing I want to talk about really briefly is when people say, oh, we don't want to give everything away. I give everything away because <laughs> guess what? I wrote a book on live streaming and there's a gazillion brands out there that are still not doing it. And there's a gazillion right. brands out there that are not doing it well. So I can keep talking about how to do it specifically. And here's how you make money with your live stream podcast. And there's still people who can't do it, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, some people still hire me to help them, right? It's not even my main thing that I do, but what I'm, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. like this whole talk, like if it's, unless it's very, like, unless it's super, like truly proprietary, right, like a right. software code, which you would probably never share publicly anyways, but like just, conceptual stuff like you know like the super bowl is coming up or you know and people will be talking about that and most of the people that have opinions about it can't play in the super bowl right, right. so it's right. like just because you know how to talk about it doesn't mean um or you can listen to it doesn't mean um you can actually do it um time always flies when you have fun so much good stuff that you've shared already tyler in the last 60 seconds you're kind of give us an update of the company what you guys do and uh, you know who should reach out who do you work with and really appreciate you coming on the show yeah thank you so much for taking the time and having me on um so uh me and my co-founder built the company magnetic uh magnetic is a is a community platform that is um built for b2c businesses so on top of the regular type of community tools that you've seen um, in other products, we also add on integrations to your storefront to bring product to the forefront, to bring the breast of your brand, to really attract your uh, biggest fans in an own space where then you can have that direct engagement, learn from them, reward them. And in turn, they'll reward you um, with, with uh, information about them, what they love, what they don't like. Um, so uh, we've been built specifically for that purpose because we find that there are a lot of B2B communities out there. There are a lot of communities around topics and interests, um, but we really think it's a huge opportunity for B2C brands to really start engaging much closer with their uh, super fans. And so we wanted to give them a place where they had all the tools in one place to be able to do that. Uh Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review the Business Storytelling Show on your favorite podcast platform, and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode.